There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, thank God it's finally over the preseason. The Bucks win their final preseason game 17-15 over the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Benny Testaverde Jr., or I should say Vincent Testaverde Jr., Benny is his dad, leads the Bucks to 10 straight points off the bench. Ryan Griffin with another TD pass to Tanner Hudson. The Bucks finish 3-1 in the preseason, and now it really starts. It really counts on to the San Francisco 49ers. Good defensive effort led by Jack Sishi, former Wisconsin player who is coming off his second torn ACL, had a sack. He also had a fumble recovery. So we'll talk all about this game and what is likely to happen with the cuts just coming up over the weekend. The Rays, meanwhile, they beat the Astros 9-8 to in a wild game that took over four hours in this game. Travis Darnot and Austin Meadows went deep, but also Colin Poche with five walks in one inning. Boy, talk about a slow hook for Kevin Cash. The Rays host the Indians tonight. And tonight it's USF and Wisconsin. That's right, at Raymond James Stadium. Also, Florida State and Boise State on Saturday has been moved to Tallahassee. That game was going to be played in Jacksonville, but of course, because of Hurricane Dorian bearing down on the state of Florida, they'll now play that game in Tallahassee at noon. We've got all that and more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, probably one of the earliest, or I should say, the latest uh, podcasts we've done in quite a while. Yeah, quite um, a while. The first one we did was even later after the Super Bowl, if you remember. That's true. That was the inaugural. You're exactly right. That's, you get back on the bus on those things, probably get home about 3 a.m., and I think that's yeah. what it was. No, I, I don't believe it was too, because you were on the West Coast, I think, for that Super Bowl. That's correct. That's correct. So it wasn't too bad yeah. for you, but for Tom Jones and I, it was. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, it was just brutal. But uh, but here we are, and so the preseason is finally over. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, it, it obviously is one of those things you have to endure because really no starters played in this game, um, you know, to say the very minimum. But uh, it was a competitive game, and, you know, it's it's always, you know, look, over a 1,000 players are going to be cut, are going to lose their jobs by Saturday at 4 o'clock, if you think about it that way. And and for the majority of those guys, they're never putting on a football uniform again. You know, I saw a lot of guys taking their time tonight uh, or this morning, um, you know, taking that taking that uniform off for what they must think could be, you know, could be the last time. So um, it, it was uh, it was interesting in that respect. And then a couple guys, you know, sort of showed up, I think, and and maybe helped their chances of you know, sticking on the team, which is, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. I mean, that's, that's what this night is about, but. Uh, so who, who would that I, be? I mean, what guys do you think uh, helped their chances to make the team? Well, I mean, look, I, it's probably easier to eliminate some people, but okay. I mean, obviously I don't know if he was on the bubble or not, but Jack Cece was, you know, was somebody that they weren't sure about coming off the ACL injury. He only played in three of the four preseason games, but he makes plays all over the field. He had one screw up on special teams, but I thought he did uh, very, very well. Uh, there's no question that uh, you know Ryan Griffin 
um, cemented if they were going to thinking ever thinking about keeping two. That changed with the injury to Blaine Gabbard. But to be honest with you, I think they're very, very comfortable with Griffin if he has to go in. I think the first week you won't see Gabbard available anyway, although that, that shoulder injury he has on his left shoulder that dislocated is supposed to be short-term. But, you know, Griffin did some nice things. And he had a couple interceptions on balls that were tipped. You know who didn't help themselves was Scotty Miller. Um, you know, Miller had a chance to make some plays. One of the interceptions kind of he stuck his hand out and it went off his hand, popped up into the air. They had a pick six early as well when a ball was batted, batted up uh, at the line of scrimmage. So it didn't start out great for the Bucks, But then they turn around and they answered. You know, they get a strap, uh, a sack, and a strip fumble that uh, CeCe recovers, and they're able to punch that ball in there. So, um, you know, it was it was kind of back and forth. Uh, you know, and, and so the cuts, I asked Bruce Arians, like, when will you do these? And, of course, they'll start this morning at some point. He said, to be honest with you, me and Jason will probably do most of them on the plane ride home. <laughs> so not that many decisions. But he did say, you know what, he says a couple guys um, probably made the team tonight. And he said, and a couple others made the practice squad. And one of those guys I think that's probably going to be a good practice squad player is Bruce Anderson. He came in and did a nice job. We hadn't seen much of him really in games, but uh, when they needed to salt the game away, he was the guy, he was the, kind of their go-to back for the most part. He had 70 yards, um, which he did have a great average. It was 70 yards on 20 carries, but the last six or so were just, you know, them knowing that they were going to load up the box and try to run some clock, and he had a nice touchdown as well. So from that standpoint, uh, I think Bruce Anderson did a nice job of, uh, of maybe getting a spot on the practice squad. You know, the, the rest of them, I mean, Darian Gumboale has had a good camp. He caught a couple passes, didn't run the ball very well. Um, I, I think Bobo Wilson is, is probably made this football team, if there was any doubt about that, over a guy like Scotty Miller, who I mentioned uh, just had the two catches for nine yards and, um, you know, didn't, didn't really look particularly great in the return game either. So, you know, there's um, – there's going to be some tough decisions. I think there's still going to be like waiver claims. This, this roster is going to be unsettled probably at least until next Tuesday or Wednesday um, because the players that aren't vested veterans are subject to waivers by 4 p.m. on Sunday. The Bucks have the number five waiver claim, so only four teams can take a player that is available there before they can. So I think that this would be you know a pretty good opportunity for them. And, you know, you might see a guy like Cairo Santos traded if – uh, the kicking woes continue in places like Minnesota. You see where Atlanta brought in Matt Bryant, by the way? I did see that. Yeah, it was funny. It was like, uh, according to my sources, Matt Bryant will, will try out along with three. Oh, no, 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 no. Matt Bryant doesn't Matt come Bryant, in to try out. Matt, Matt Bryant doesn't try out, okay? Like, that's that's my old job. You want me in here? Okay, then you're telling me I have the job because I'm not firing up my car and driving, driving in there to have a kickoff with a bunch of guys. Forget that. But Atlanta's just struggled. There's a bunch of teams. Minnesota has really struggled to find their guy. You know, the Jets has had trouble. So Bruce Arians was kind of upset because the idea was for Cairo Santos to take the first long field goal. And why is that important if you're not going to keep him? Well, they'd like to showcase him for those other teams. You know, Santos, uh, I guess, in the pregame was hitting some from 55 yards. And that was the distance, uh, 53 yards. And then Matt Gay came in and he booted it through. Gay, I think, went uh, four or five or five for six. He had two two for two on field goals of 50 yards plus. So he clearly is going to be the guy. But we'll see if they can even fetch 
you know, sixth or seventh round draft pick. There'll have to be a couple teams probably interested uh, in Santos. Good scene, you know. I, I mean, look, the, the one thing about covering, you know, the Bucks, and as for as long as I have, I mean, there was a good story that took place in Dallas on Thursday night, and you you kind of have to be maybe in that circle a little bit. But you know, Vin, Vincent Testaverde Jr., who played at Jesuit High School, um, of course, the son of Vinny Testaverde got an opportunity to get in the game and played the, the, the balance of the game, really, uh, Thursday night after Ryan Griffin went out and the Bucks were trailing at that time. And, you know, he only completed four, four out of eight passes and not for that many yards, but he did lead his team down, you know, to, to score 10 points and actually take the lead um, from the Cowboys. And, you know, he was nervous. I mean, uh, one of his first balls, you know, he, he missed the receiver badly and it was intercepted and, you know, he's sitting here, he's 0 for 2 with an interception, but then he settled down and, um, you know, he, he, he moved the team nicely. They, this was not an extravagant game, game plan. As a matter of fact, Bruce Arians called the plays on Thursday night, and that's because he wanted Byron Leftwich, as he had done all week in practice, to focus on the 49ers, to take the starters on one side of the field and really get them starting to look at, you know, install and different things about the Niners and then on the other field he had guys like Vincent Testaverde and and some of the younger players that were going to play in this game and they really only had like 10 or 12 pass plays and you know maybe that many runs or so they kept it really simple because they wanted these guys to play fast but you know Vinny did a nice job you know he completed some balls he moved the team well like I said they took the lead and then and then after the game it was just kind of a touching moment to witness uh you know because uh, his dad, of course, and his mom came to the game there in a suite someplace. And it's true of every parent when you watch your kid play. If you played anything before, it's so much harder, right, because you're not in control and it's gut-wrenching and sometimes you can't bear to watch. But, you know, here was Testaverde who played 20 seasons, you know, in the NFL for about six different teams and won the Heisman Trophy, of course, at Miami and, you know, all the fame that, that and the great career that he had. And there he was watching his son, who probably didn't expect to get this opportunity. He kind of came up when Gabbard got hurt. And, you know, he was a tryout player that was able to get a, you know, a training camp roster and all that sort of thing. And here he was, you know, at AT&T Stadium, which is an unbelievable ballpark and atmosphere, even for preseason. There were a ton of people there. Uh, And he's playing against the Cowboys team that his dad actually played for for one season in 04, and they lived in Dallas when he was about eight years old. So just a lot of emotions, a lot of jitters going through his mind. He finally settled down and played really well. And then after the game, uh, Vinny came up to him um, coming out of the locker room, and it was just kind of a, a touching scene that the, the Tampa Bay Bucks tweeted that out. Um, and, you know, we can retweet it, but it was just, you know, Testaverde giving his son a big hug and telling him how proud he was of him. And, you know, for a dad to kind of – I mean, look, as Vincent said, he goes, if I never put the uniform on again, right, um, at least I had I had this, right? It was kind of cool. My rookie year, I played for the Bucks. Um, my dad's rookie year, which was 30 years ago, he was the number one overall pick. He played for the Bucks to start out. So, you know, there was some symmetry going on there, and it was just, it was just kind of cool to witness. All right, so some players you didn't see, uh, one of those in particular you probably noticed was Justin Evans. You know, he came back after, you know, having all, a whole bunch of series of foot and ankle injuries and things 
dating back to last November when they carted him off and he ended up on on injured reserve. Uh, well, he had practiced this week. He was excited about playing. He had been out there in pads. He, you know, was wasn't quite in great football condition per se, but you know, certainly they wanted to see him get out there and kind of see the defense. Um, on the grass and and sort of begin to put those pieces together he's been doing it all sort of with mental reps but they wanted him on the field Um, but but you know Justin Evans just wasn't able to go and the reason is Bruce Arians said that he had some uh, uh, you know tenderness or soreness in his Achilles when you hear that um, that's something you don't want to mess with and it is it is typical for a guy that hasn't done a lot to then go out there and kind of strain, you know, strain the Achilles. Um, but by the same token, this is a guy with a history of foot and ankle injuries, and you just wonder if Justin Evans now, you know, is is in jeopardy maybe of losing his roster spot or, you know, is he going to be one of these guys they put on injured reserve for, for possible recall. So they really wanted to use him, you know, and, and let him see it and have him for the regular season. So that's going to be their goal as far as keeping them goes, because they're not that deep at safety. They're just not. I mean, Mike Edwards has been hurt. Um, you know, Jordan Whitehead, I think, has accounted himself pretty well and probably will start one of the safety positions. But it's not a spot that sort of has an abundance of talent, to be honest with you. So it'll be a nervous 48 hours or so for the Bucks players who will be off until next Tuesday. In the meantime, um, the rosters must be trimmed uh, by Saturday at 4 o'clock. So make sure that you uh, follow us on Twitter at TampaBay.com. We'll have all the latest cuts, which I think will begin later today, as a matter of fact. And they got other procedural things they have to do. Look, I mean, they, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, there's been reports that, you know, he's doing better. He doesn't have the neck, neck brace on. You know, that means presumably that that cervical fracture has begun to heal. But he's a long, long way from doing any football activities. Uh, so we'll have to see just how quickly they think they can get him back or if they can, because it is just a really, you know, sensitive, uh, sensitive deal with his, with his neck. So um, we'll have all the cuts for you though on tampabay.com. So keep it right there. Okay. So uh, here's the deal. I, I'm, I'm trying to go to this game and I'm, I'm tuning into the Rays uh, and I hear the following, that the Rays have taken the lead over the Astros, I think by a run, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they did that several times um, today. Yeah, they did. They kept, they kept giving it back and then taking it back. But at one point, um, I heard that Colin Poche uh, walked not one, not two, not three. I sound like LeBron James. Not four. But he walked five batters in a row like – how does that even begin to happen? And I don't mean like how did he not be able to throw strikes because clearly that did happen and, and it's possible that, you know, not having seen him pitch, that maybe he was missing, getting squeezed a little, maybe then he got a little upset. I mean, who knows? You know, these things happen. What I can't believe is that Kevin Cash, who I'm sure had a very, you know, short bullpen and, and that's, you know, also factored into decision-making. But at what point? I mean, so you're up in the game and then he walks about it, you know. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like, okay, cool. Well, uh, no, there there actually people. was two outs sprinkled between those five walks. Oh, there was two yeah, outs. He, okay. Alex Bregman had a fly out for the first out after the first walk, and then uh, Yuri Gurriel was called out on strikes after the second walk. Okay, the, so two outs, mm-hmm. and then he and then he walks the second batter, right? Well, no, so he walks the first batter. Okay. Then gets a fly out, walks the <laughs> okay. sec, walks the next batter. So okay, the, damn. First and second, one out. That yep. sucks. Okay. Then he strikes out. So now he's got two outs. First and second, two okay, outs. Okay, so so okay, cool. So I can see staying with him there because you got two outs and right. he's got a strikeout, so he gets out of it. Then he walks Toro to load the bases. Okay, now I'm nervous. Yep. Okay, because now I, that's three walks in the inning mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, Robert Gentarinos comes up. He walks. Now nah, I'm done. I, I I'm sorry. I and mean, the game's tied four at walks. four. Yeah, the game's tied at four now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, now I'm worried that not only may he walk a batter, that would be my first concern, but what's he going to do just to throw a strike now? Is he just going to lay it up there and a guy bats, you know, knocks one 500 feet mm-hmm. and I'm down four more runs? But he left him in again. Well, I think Kevin Cash didn't want to go to Nick Anderson. He was trying to save Nick Anderson for later in the game. And so then when Poche walks admirable. the fifth guy and now it's they're down five to four, then he has to go to Nick Anderson in that spot. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, credit credit them for coming back with the bats. I mean, they scored nine runs, and um, also Emilio Pagan, who had to be really stretched out to get the, get the save, right? Yeah, he got the last seven out. So Jose De Leon's in in the seventh inning, and he starts struggling. So they have to put Pagan in in the seventh. He gets the final out, pitches the eighth, and then goes to the ninth, where he gave up a solo home run to start the ninth. Right, saw that. To, to bring it within one run, but he did get out of it. And the only people that I think they had left in the bullpen were Diego Castillo and Oliver Drake. Yeah, and, and Castillo wasn't very good the night before, and Drake just isn't very good, period. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he wanted to stay with Pagan as much as he could. Look, I mean, that that I didn't think there was any way they were going to win because all you know all Houston does is, is throw Cy Young Award winners at you. I mean, geez. You know, Justin Verlander was so tough, and Charlie Morton just didn't have it. He was wild in the strike zone, so to speak. Um, so they lose that game, and and then they come they come back, and Garrett Cole, who throws a hundred miles an hour. I mean, this guy's stuff is stupid, mm-hmm. right? And he's averaging like twelve strikeouts a game. He just completely is dominant, and yet the Rays did some things against him. Yeah, but, but they struck out nineteen pull. times out of their twenty-seven yeah, outs. In the meantime, yeah, they struck out a lot. So they lose that game, and you're thinking, okay, cool. All we have to do if you're the Rays is beat Zach Greinke. <laughs> I mean, that's your third guy that you got to take on. But so, they get five however, runs off him in the first in five and two thirds innings. I know. So that, I mean, they, that's what my point is. Is like you'd have thought this team is going to get swept, but they rise up and they get the runs, and and they're in this they're in this you know back and forth. I mean, they scored nine runs, and they needed all nine of them to win a game. For them, that's like a that's like a a week's worth of runs. You know, they're they're just not scoring a lot of runs right now. So they needed this win. I mean, they really did not want to be swept. You need to stop the bleeding. They had lost four in a row. Now they come home. You know, the food tastes better. You're in your own bed, and you're playing the Cleveland Indians. Well, you're two and a half games behind the Indians for a three-game set. There you go. That's for the first wild card. You sweep them, you're ahead of the Cleveland. That's it. Yeah. And now the A's are still heading. But, you know, don't don't look too far behind you right now because the Red Sox are four and a half games behind you. 
Yeah, they are. And they're coming hard. Mm-hmm. They're coming hard. I I didn't think there was a, you know, there was so many teams that they'd have to climb over that I didn't think it was possible. I'm here to tell you it's possible. Well, they have to jump two teams, but they don't have Chris Sale. So that's going to make it a lot tougher. Cuz they don't yeah. have they don't have a great bullpen and when you lose a, a high-end starter like that, it makes it harder to sustain a long run. But it with could. that offense, they could. Yeah, they could bash their way to it. I mean, I I don't I don't trust Boston to stay low and stay out of it, but the Rays got to get it going again. And like I said, they were they were very fortunate to get at least one game in Houston. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now kudos, kudos to Avi Garcia, who's been struggling at the plate mightily. He beat out two infield hits by his hustle. Wow, wow. And one Altuve, you know, took the grounder and he was in the shift, so he was over on, kind of in a shortstop position, and he kind of put a little too much air under the throw, and Avi beat it out. And he beat out a, a, another single later. And, you know, when you're struggling, sometimes you'll see players not hustle like that. And he was hustling. That's true. That's true. He's a lot quick. You know, for a big-bodied guy, I don't mm-hmm. think people realize how fast he is. You know, he's a big strider, but he does not He does a nice job. Yep. And Travis Darno got his first home run in the month of August, on August 29th. Think Man, about how hot he of... was in, in like, July <laughs> and or June, whichever month it was, that he just lit it up. Well, he hit like 12 or 13 one month, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he got his yeah. first home run in the month of August. Oh, they needed all of them, that's for sure. And Austin Meadows, too, who's starting to get a little a little hitterish, a little toasty, as Joe Ma would say. And Kevin so Kiermaier missed it. the game again, um, and he did not speak to the media about it. Which, really? This, this as is Mark the Topkin mentions, right? Yeah, as Mark Topkin mentions, Kevin Kiermaier never misses an opportunity to talk to the media. Yeah, he needs that like oxygen. I mean, he's he's sort of you know the way Keyshawn Johnson was. You know, it's like I'm not talking to the media. Yeah, yeah, you are because that's what you need. But yeah, for him not to do that, um, I heard him. He had told you know Top Topkin first of all when he did hurt it in Baltimore. Um, had he known he wasn't going to catch the ball, he wouldn't have done it. But then it really feels bad because you know they had three tough right-handers coming up against him in Houston, and he knocked himself out of the series. Mm-hmm. So. Whatever's going on might be a little more serious than they thought, or maybe he's just frustrated. But, you know, that, hey, stop me if you've heard that Kevin Kiermaier gets hurt. It, but he also makes, you know, a ton of those plays going over the wall and stuff. So, you know, it's risk-reward. But they definitely are going to need his bat and everyone's bat down the stretch. But it was huge for them to score nine runs because they've been really scuffling at the plate, especially against, you know, somebody in that pitching staff. So, they're back on track a little bit. They have to beat Cleveland. Like you said, they could sweep them and be exactly where they want to be with respect to Cleveland. But if you just take two of three, then you'll be mm-hmm. a game and a half back of them. That's right. You, Not you, bad. Know, you take two of three in this series, you're a game and a half back of them. You'll see what Oakland – and Oakland, I believe, is playing the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, at this point, you're rooting for the Yankees in that series. That's right. So if the Yankees can take two of three or even sweep Oakland – and you can take two or three from Cleveland, you can make up a lot of ground. Yeah, the problem is they just haven't been as good at home at the Trop as they've been on the road, so they're going to have to turn that around and start winning series at home and do it quickly because there's only you know less than 30 games remaining. So, And, and, by the, and, and one thing about stressful. Houston, too, is, is, one, they win more than three out of every four games at home. They have a stupid home record. But I, I believe the Astros are the best team in baseball. I mean, the Dodgers and the Yankees can make a case for that. But I think the Astros, especially with that starting pitching staff, that's the best team in baseball. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, you know, the Rays, yeah, they struggled, but they also put nine runs up on 
on Thursday. They scored what was it six on 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 Wednesday night. I mean, they lost eight to yeah. six, but you know they did yeah. some things in the series. I mean, in, in the pitching and the bullpen still struggling some, and in, in the offense at times, but they did put up some runs against that team. And and like yeah, I said, they, I think they, it's they, the best team in baseball. Yeah, I, I couldn't argue with you. I think they're the most complete, and their starting pitching is crazy. So. Yeah. You know, at least they got one. They needed to get one. You need to stop the bleeding and then go home and hope you can get healthy against the Indians and, and kind of pick it up from there. Um, in the meantime, uh, of course, we're not naive to the fact that there's some bad weather headed uh, to Florida, especially on the East Coast. Seen a bunch of different models. Who knows? It's not going to affect tonight's USF Wisconsin game, I don't believe. You might want to keep checking on that but um no it's going to be too far out i mean it it, landfall is not going to be till monday or tuesday depending on how the the models go right um and granted you'll see some weather before then but no the friday night's game against uh usf wisconsin will not be affected right and then um of course hurricane dorian might have affected the saturday game in jacksonville which is of course on the coast where it, it could skirt up and so they have moved the Seminoles game to Tallahassee, and that game now will be played at noon, not at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of that is it's not so much that the weather it, the weather would affect it. It's all the preparations and the resources that go into a game that can be directed elsewhere. That's correct. There's a lot of reasons why lot. they cancel schools when there's tropical sure. storm warnings or, or things like that. Even if it's not the weather, you know, when you look out your window going, oh, we could have gone to school today, but it's how many police resources or emergency resources are being directed at when they need to direct those people somewhere else. That's right. You're, you're 100% right. So it's back in Tallahassee. I guess they're going to offer, I don't know, $10 tickets, just, you know, general admission to a lot of their students. And obviously it's a disappointment if you're in the city of Jacksonville, but hey, you got a hurricane bearing down on you. What do you expect them to do? And I'm sure both teams want to play this game, so they they will play it. Uh, they'll play it in Tallahassee. I think I saw Matt Baker tweeted that this is the by his count the tenth game in the last four years in the state of Florida has been moved for hurricanes. Look, you can set your watch to it. I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like every Labor Day to me. Um, you know that since I've lived here. Most of the major hurricanes have occurred on or around mm-hmm. Labor Day. Irma was the, the weekend after Labor Day. That's correct. That's correct. It was week one in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to Jason Light about it in, um, you know, in the press box, and he was like, well, <laughs> we, you know, inadvertently last year because Tampa Bay was literally in the not just the cone but the actual bullseye uh, of where it was supposed to go, they essentially evacuated – their entire team, you know, a bunch of guys took a plane, the Glazers charted to Charlotte, others went went other places, but um, they've got practice at this. Now, I, this one doesn't look like it's going to affect them because it's coming in the East Coast, and it may still be a Cat, cat 1 if it were to, to pass near the Tampa Bay region, I suppose. But, you know, they they have made these contingencies before, and they found out a lot of things. Like one of the things they found out, people don't want to leave their pets <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you charter a plane for a team right and and their families and then they show up and they've got a little dog or a big dog with them it's like uh uh surprise could you leave that thing behind please but that's that's how obviously dog lovers and pet lovers you know are going to want to do that but they moved a lot of their team a year ago they know how to do it mm-hmm. um, i'm sure they have contingency plans if something were to shift or change 
Um, well, the Rays again, are working of, on contingency plans right now for the, that's the Baltimore correct. series, Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday. There's, uh, you know, Mark Topkin mentioned, you know, they could uh, possibly play doubleheader one day to to not play on a certain day, or even move that series to Baltimore. Exactly, which I don't think I'd want to do, but you know, you got you want to play the game, so it's a it's a mess, and we hope everybody's safe and. You know, takes this thing seriously because it seems like when these hurricanes come aboard anymore, every year they're like they're they're more strong. They're stronger and stronger. It's like you you don't even see a, a you know like Charlie was a hurricane uh, was a you know a three um, and and everything you see now are fours and fives. So it just speaks to the the warm water temperature and all of that. But we hope we hope everybody stays safe. We're gonna enjoy tonight. I'll be at the Wisconsin game against USF. My wife went to Wisconsin, so that's mandatory for uh, me and the kids. And um, college football's back, man. It's pretty exciting. In fact, there was a game last night. A full slate Clemson. of games on Thursday night. Yeah. I mean, uh, your Cincinnati Bearcats uh, did in um, Skip and the uh, Chip. UCLA, UCLA Bruins. Chip. Chip, Chip, I'm sorry, in the yeah, UCLA Kelly, Bruins. Yeah. Yeah. The second year in a row they beat them, as Matt Baker said, uh, maybe the game of the night. It was 24-14 in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech throttled, uh, or uh, Georgia Tech got throttled by Clemson. That Clemson was like sixty-two really fourteen or something like that. Clemson's not losing. Yeah, UCF rolled. Texas A&M rolled. Minnesota barely beat Florida, South yeah. Dakota State. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was twenty-eight twenty or twenty-eight twenty-one, I believe. And uh, last I checked, as we're taping this, Utah Utah's now beat BYU thirty to twelve. So, oh wow. But yes, college yeah, basketball, and there's there's actually a decent amount of games tonight too. Uh, yep. In addition to you've got uh, let's see, Rice is at Army, Tulsa's at Michigan State, Purdue, Nevada, Colorado State, Colorado, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Oregon State. So you got a bunch of games on Friday night too for this weekend. I'm so excited! College football is back. I'm really excited that uh, we're past the preseason now, and the NFL and the regular season is here. You've got uh, the baseball. You know, pennant races are coming down to the wire and the wild card races. And so that's this is my favorite time of year. There's so much going on. And you've got to keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We're here each and every week, Monday through Friday. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us, of course. And we'll be able to talk about uh, a lot of these things next week. Of course, US, USF Wisconsin and Florida State Boise State. And in the meantime, everybody stay high and dry and make sure you have plenty of supplies and things. You don't know what this hurricane's going to do with respect to power and water and all of that. So we'll have lots to talk about after the Labor Day holiday weekend. We will uh, not have a show on Monday and want you guys to uh, enjoy the Labor Day as, as wet as it might be out there. But, uh, again, stay safe, and we will talk to everybody on Tuesday. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 